0: Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at FCCFM.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to FCC for week number three of our sermon series called Stuff Christians Say. And last week we talked about that famous phrase, maybe you remember it, God helps those who what? (laughs) That's right, God helps those who help themselves, and we discovered that's 100% contrary to the teachings of Jesus. And so we proposed three better versions of that phrase. We said God helps those who deny themselves. We said God helps those who help others, and we said, and this is the gospel, folks, God helps those who cannot help themselves. Well, today we're going to examine another seemingly innocent, but actually insidious statement that Christians often make that God wants me to be happy. But we wanna rephrase that statement too and we're gonna do that with our big idea for today and here it is. Christians say God wants me to be happy, but the Bible says, God wants me to be holy. Now let me say that again, because I believe that is incredibly important to our spirituality, to our discipleship, to our everyday walk with Jesus. Christians often say, well, God wants me to be happy, but the Bible says, God wants me to be holy. But let's hold off on that thought for a few minutes. More minutes. I recently posted the following question on my Facebook page, and the question was this What are some of the things that make you happy? And I made it clear, I wasn't looking for the church answer or the, the Sunday school answer, or the, the Jesus answer. I wasn't looking for a, a spiritual answer, just what are some of the things, some of the things you do, some of the things you experience, some of the things you enjoy that makes you happy. And what I was hoping for, I was hoping to have a handful of people respond to that question. But what resulted was perhaps the most interactive question I've ever posted, Hundreds of people responded with honest answers to what makes them happy. For instance, one person said, traveling makes me happy. The beach makes me happy. Amazing food makes me happy. Baking makes me happy. Time with those I love makes me happy. Another person responded, good food with good friends makes me happy. Hiking in the mountains makes me happy but my most happiest is when I hear my niece excitedly yell my name when I first see her. A colleague and friend of mine who who lives in the the Midwest, he responded, he said, golf makes me happy. (laughs) Playing a round of golf, everything about it he wrote, the preparation, the anticipation, the participation, each round is new. Golf makes me happy, anybody with him? Another colleague of mine, friend who lives in Chicago, near Chicago, he said this. He said, in the dead of winter, I like scrolling through Facebook so that I can vicariously live through pastors who get to preach in churches in sunny Florida. (laughs) That makes me happy. I don't think he was serious, though. Another person responded, anything in nature, hiking, skiing, kayaking, camping, love it all, reading a book in a quiet space, making a space pretty, then having time to relax in it, dinner and games with great friends, snuggling with my dog, cat, kiddos, memory maker experience with my family, and sometimes running. I saw other responses like football, fishing, napping, sleeping, barbecuing, cruising, boating, dancing, puppies, There were nods to time spent with kids and grandkids and family and friends as well as time in worship, whether in church or in nature. There was one guy who said, seeing when people make a better choice to take down a post that perhaps didn't exhibit grace or forgiveness, that makes me happy. I think maybe he was being passive aggressive about one of my previous posts. Honestly, I don't know. (laughs) One of our FCC and Connection Point Families, mamas said this, my children eating dinner without arguing it makes me happy. And uh, as the father of four, found that relatable, made me laugh out loud. Uh, but then there were a couple of responses that, that really grabbed my attention. One guy said, my vices make me happy until they don't. Hmm. And another said, What I tell people, working on cars, traveling with my family, my job, what's the truth? Nothing makes me happy. Oh, man. I've had seasons like that too. On a number of occasions as a pastor, I've actually had people sitting in my office, and they're about to make a life-altering, and you might even say a life-shattering decision, and when I ask them why, they say, because God wants me to be happy, and the truth is, I hate that statement. I hate the statement, God wants me to be happy, not because God wants us to be sad or miserable or discouraged or depressed or to be unhappy, but I hate it because it often precedes so much unhappiness for everybody else. And I also hate it because sometimes for Christians, it can be a sanctified excuse for selfishness. I can't afford those new shoes but God wants me to be happy. I can't afford that amazing vacation, but, but God wants me to be happy. I know I shouldn't drink this, but God wants me to be happy. I know I shouldn't do this, but God wants me to be happy. I, I know I shouldn't be with this person, but God wants me to be happy. And again, I, 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 it's not that God doesn't want us to be happy. I think he does. But that's not the most important thing. You see, the most important thing isn't happiness. It's holiness. Let me share a mystery with you today. When you pursue happiness, you may discover emptiness. But when you pursue holiness, you will discover happiness. We say God wants me to be happy, the Bible says, God wants me to be holy. So what is holiness? When I grew up in Oklahoma, where I grew up in Oklahoma, holiness often meant ladies wearing denim skirts and homemade shirts with long hair and no makeup. And there are actually entire communities there who who carried themselves this way and they called themselves holiness groups. Is that a valid glimpse? Of holiness. In the years after Christianity was legalized in the Roman Empire, Christians were looking for new ways to demonstrate their faith. Now, before Christianity was legalized, Christians often died for their faith, and because they did so, they were considered holy. They were called saints. Saints. But after Christianity was legalized, when when living for Jesus became less difficult and less dangerous, some were looking for new ways to demonstrate their faith, for new ways to be considered holy. And I got to tell you, they did some crazy things. Simeon Stylites was one such man. In the fourth century, he climbed to the top of a pillar in Syria and he built a three foot by three foot platform and he lived on that platform for 37 years where he could pray constantly and not be bothered, not be muddied by the sinful world. And he was deemed a saint by the Catholic church, a holy one. Macarius of Alexander, another guy who lived in the fourth century, to demonstrate his holiness, he reportedly stood naked in a mosquito-ridden swamp for six months. And he was deemed a saint, a holy one. I would say today that none of those things really come close to the biblical concept of holiness. So let me just outline real quickly some of the things that holiness is not. Holiness is not being strange. Holiness is not being backward. Holiness it's not being harsh. It's 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 not being judgmental. Holiness is not being boring. It's not being anti-social. So what what is holiness? What does this word holiness mean? The biblical word for holiness means separation or set apart or saint. A saint is literally a holy one. Simeon Stylites, he wanted to be holy, so he separated himself from the world on a pillar, and as I mentioned, he's now called a saint, Macarius of Alexandria wanted to be holy, so he separated himself from the world by living in a swamp. And again, he's now called a saint. And we might not like or agree with what they did. Personally, I think it's all kind of silly. But then I think to myself, at least they wanted to be holy. And I wonder how many of us would have in our personal mission statement the pursuit of holiness? Or are we perhaps more interested in the pursuit of happiness? And how can we pursue something if if we don't really even know what it is? How can we make something our mission if we don't even know its definition? Well, thankfully, Hebrews chapters 11 and 12 give us a glimpse of what holiness looks like. Let me just share some of those glimpses with you this morning. If you're taking notes, this would be glimpse number one. Holiness is resisting sin when the people around us say, go ahead, give in. Holiness, at least this is this is a part of holiness. Holiness is resisting sin when the people around us say, it's all right, go ahead, give in. All right, let's read Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna be, first of all, in verses one through six. And, and the author begins like this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, before this verse, we have Hebrews chapter 11, and Hebrews chapter 11 is, is, is known as the, the hall of faith, and it just lists all these people throughout Scripture and throughout history who truly were holy ones, and then in chapter 12, after, after mentioning all these holy people, it says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says... My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And by the way, this is, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture in the entire Bible. Let me tell you a little bit of background about the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written in the first century specifically to Jewish Christians, the Hebrew people, Jewish Christians who were considering a return to Judaism. They were they were considering a conversion back to Judaism. When they first came to Christ, they considered Christianity an extension of their Jewish faith, but then something unexpected happened. When they became Christians, their lives got even harder, and they faced even more discrimination and persecution than they had faced when they were in Judaism. And so they reasoned along these lines. Since, as Jews, as Hebrews, they were God's people before they came to Christ, they could now turn away from Christ and return to Judaism and still be God's people. And the book of Hebrews calls this falling away. And so the book of Hebrews, it was written really for several reasons. First of all, to demonstrate that Jesus is better, greater, higher, beyond anything and everything else. That Jesus is better than everything else, including all other religions, including Judaism. But then it was also written to warn them, if they returned to Judaism, they would no longer be Saved. Hmm. And then just to encourage them, to challenge them, to say, stay faithful to Jesus no matter what. Whatever comes, whatever you face, stay faithful to Jesus. And that's why verse four says in your struggle against sin. So you're not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. So don't give up. So, what is sin exactly? Because the word's used a lot in these verses. Well, sin is when we, when we don't live up to God's standards. And, uh, and sin is, is when we make ourselves the most important thing. And, and sin is it's when we elevate our wants over other people's needs. And of course, sin is simply when we disobey God's commandments. And so what's the author of Hebrews really saying in these verses and particularly in verse four? Well, he's saying sin is real and he's saying the struggle is real and he's saying your mission, should you choose to accept it, is not to give in to sin, but to be holy. I wonder How many of you have discovered from personal experience that giving in to sin doesn't make you happy? Like in the moment, it seemed like it would, and then you did. Like from life experience, just from making some unwise choices, so doing some selfish things. If that's you, I just want you to know you're not alone. Like, I've done some things. I have. I've I've done some unwise things in my life. I've done things I'm embarrassed about. I've done selfish things. I've done sinful things that resulted in neither happiness nor holiness. And so I want you to know you're not alone. A big evangelical Christian celebrity who famously fell from grace once said this, and he would know. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin leaves you empty. Over eating, over drinking, over spending, over indulging, over whatevering. Giving in does not make us happy. It leaves us empty. That's glimpse number one. Here's glimpse number two. Holiness is enduring hardship when people say, you know what, take it easy. Hebrews chapter 12, verses seven through 10. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits, to God, and live? They disciplined us. That would be our human fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may Share in his holiness. And the author of Hebrews says, endure hardship as discipline. And how different is that than the advice of our people and our peers and our culture where we are told to run from hardship to make ourselves more comfortable and to pursue happiness. But the author of Hebrews says endure hardship. Have you ever wondered why hardship happens to us? Like you've heard that question before, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever had that that conversation with God? Like why why, why does this stuff happen? Does God cause it? And if so, why? Does God not cause it, but simply allow it? If so, why? Is it a result of of God's sovereign will or of man's free will or is it a result of simply just we're living in a changing and evolving world? Well, if you wanna know the answers to those questions, come back next week (laughs) as we evaluate the statement, everything happens for a reason. But I love the way verse seven tells us to view hardship. Hardship. He says, view hardship as discipline from a loving father. Now, does that mean all hardship is discipline from a loving father? No. But nevertheless, we should view it, choose to see it as such. And do I think Hurricane Ian was discipline from a loving father? No, absolutely not. But here's the thing. Whether God or others, or nature causes our hardship, or we, by making poor choices, cause our hardship. We should still say, when we endure hardship, in this, we want to grow. How can this make us better, not bitter? So holiness is resisting sin when the people around us say, you know what, go ahead, give in. And holiness is enduring hardship as an opportunity for growth when the people around us say, you know what, just take it easy. And then glimpse number three, and this is the key, this is the pinnacle, this is what I want you to remember from this discussion. This is the most important part. Holiness is seeing Jesus and becoming more like him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, make every effort, make every effort to live in peace with everyone, make every effort to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The author of Hebrews tells us to make it our goal, our pursuit to make every effort not to be happy, but to be holy and then he tells us why he says without holiness no one will see the lord and it's almost like when you're pursuing happiness over holiness your eyes become your guide have you ever noticed this what you see repeatedly is what you want that's human nature what you see repeatedly is what you want. We, we see that house, we see that car and, and uh, we want them, right? We see that person who catches our eye and we want them. We, we see those shoes and those clothes, and, and we want them. We see that, that drink or that dinner, and, and we want it. You know, I've heard it said, uh, a man's stomach is the quickest way to his heart, but, but that's not actually true. Our eyes are the gateways to our hearts. What we see repeatedly is what we want. And I think the author of Hebrews knew this and that's why the author tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 verse two, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Want to be holy? Fix your eyes on Jesus, not houses. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not cars. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not other people's stuff. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not shoes, not clothes. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not food or drinks. Fix your eyes on happiness, and you may find emptiness. Fix your eyes on holiness, on Jesus, and you will find happiness. So what are we gonna do with all that? Well, there's several things. First of all, we are gonna stop saying God wants me to be happy because it's not biblical. And we're gonna start saying God wants me to be holy. And we, as disciples of Jesus, as a church family, we're gonna pursue the things of God like holiness and trust him for happiness. Second thing we're gonna do and something we're mentioning every week, we're gonna allow our values, like the things that we were raised with and shaped with or maybe picked up along the way, we're gonna allow our values to be shaped by the values of God rather than the values of this world. Because in fact, that's true holiness. And then the third thing is, and this this is our takeaway for today. Here it is. In your daily time with God, you might have a journal, you might write down some notes, maybe in a margin of your Bible, I want to encourage you, in your daily time with God today, take some time today to write down just one way. you might seek happiness instead of holiness. Maybe it's um, giving stuff to yourself instead of sharing with others. Maybe it's an overeating instead of feeding the hungry. Maybe it's in finding sexual activity on the internet instead of the marriage bed. Maybe it's in breaking up your family instead of building up your faith. I know I could come up with probably 100 things for me. Just asking you to come up with one thing for you. What's one thing, one way you seek happiness over holiness? Write that down. Can I share with you what I what I actually wrote down? I wrote down this serving myself instead of my family. When I come home from each day, just being honest with you, when I come home from serving here, you know what I want to do? I want to serve myself. I don't want to serve my wife. I don't want to serve my kids. I want to turn on some kind of screen and escape. Though I know holiness would tell me to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And holiness would tell me as a father not to exasperate my children. The thing is, a lot of times I feel like I've been out here serving everybody else, staff and volunteers and people going through hard times. When I get home, I just wanna serve myself. And so one way I seek happiness instead of holiness is serving myself, not my family. What about you? In your daily time with God, write down one way you seek happiness instead of holiness and then give that to him. Let me finish with this. this a great quote from Rick Warren and then we're done. Here's what Pastor Rick writes. God wants you to be happy, but God wants you to be holy more than he wants you to be happy. And the happiest people in the world are those who hang on to what God says and follow it regardless of what their feelings say. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would, as we live this life, that we would pursue you. We pursue your ways, for we know they're higher than our ways. That we would pursue your son and our savior who is true holiness. And I thank you that we have a savior who's died to set us free and who has suffered to forgive us so that when we are unholy, through faith in Jesus, you make us your holy people. God, help us to, in everything, pursue the ways of Jesus, to pursue holiness. We pray in his name. pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.